you want, or you just answer the question uh, to yourself. The question more important, though, is those around you who know you, family, uh, at work, your neighbors, here at the church, would they describe you as being a kind person? How would they see you in the way you relate to them around you? And so kindness is a very important part of our life, a relationship with each other. Um, being, kindness is described many ways, being friendly, being generous, being compassionate. We're going to look at and considerate. We're going to look at different things. Here's a few quotes. I did some search on kindness, and there's a website, if you're interested, called Ractivus, Random Acts of Kindness. And they have a whole bunch of quotes. And I just want to bring a few, because I thought they are pretty interesting and uh, encouraging. Uh, one of them is, is, kindness is simple. It is seeing the good in everyone and celebrating it. The key word here is simple. Kindness doesn't take a lot. It's just simple. Next one. Kindness is choosing and the key word there is to choose, to acknowledge and celebrate the beauty in others, regardless of whether or not they can find it in themselves. Next one, kindness is free to give, but priceless to receive. Isn't that true? When somebody shows you an act of kindness, oh, you feel, it's, it's, it's not the amount of money maybe, or the time they've given, or the thing they've helped you with. It's the fact that they've done it. It's so valuable. It's priceless to receive. Next one, kindness is caring for others, even when they may not care for you. We're gonna come back to that one a little bit later. Kindness is caring for others, even when they may not care for you. That's the true measure of kindness, even when the other person may not Appreciate what you're doing or want it or whatever, but you're going to show an act of kindness and, and stuff like that. Next one, constant kindness can accomplish much. As sun makes ice melt, kindness causes misunderstanding, mistrust, and hostility to evaporate. Albert Schweitzer. Constant kindness. Misunderstanding, mistrust, hostility, all those things that happen in relationships, kindness go a long way to break those barriers. This is what I like, the next one, the one I like the best. There's three things important. Oh, hard to read. Three things in human life are important. The first, to be kind. The second, to be kind. The third, to be kind. <laughs> be kind. To be kind. So human kindness, and there's many ways of expressing it, and I'm sure you have ways to express it as well. Giving a helping hand. <clears throat> offering our time, finances, opening the door for someone, uh, whatever. There's different ways we can do it. And these quotes and uh, expressions, and they're, they're, I'm not knocking, they're very important. Kindness, small gestures, whatever they are, they're very, very important. But as we know, reality, and I don't have to convince you, reality of our world is that human kindness doesn't go very far. There's so much violence, abuse, problems, difficulties, hate that's still going on. In spite of all the nice things we can say and all the encouraging words about kindness, unfortunately, there's not enough of it. So human kindness is important, but it fails to live up to the standard. 
But the kindness of God never fails. The kindness of God never fails. Next slide, Lamentations chapter 3 in the Old Testament book of Lamentations. Chapter 3, the Lord's compassions never fail. They are new every morning. They are new every morning. And I hope that's your reality. I hope you know that and experience that. Because <clears throat> kindness and compassion and grace are synonymous. They, they describe the same kind of actions, actions that, that um, benefit someone else who does not necessarily deserve it. Grace, compassion, kindness. You do it not because the other person necessarily deserves it. You do it, why? Because you want to. It comes from you. It's, you, you initiate that gesture of kindness or compassion or grace. God's grace and compassion, and if you listen to the corporate prayer, they referred to that in the corporate prayers, and it was very encouraging that God's grace and compassion, kindness is shown to us daily through life. All kinds of things. Food we have, the freedom we have to be here, the, the relationships we have, God's grace and his kindness is daily shown daily. But the best example of God's kindness, of his grace, is Jesus Christ. Giving of his son, salvation, life itself in Jesus Christ. That is the ultimate example of the kindness of God towards us. Now in the Bible, we're going to look at a story in the Bible. There's a Bible <coughs> story in the, book, in the book of 2 Samuel. We're going to look at that. And this story, we're going to take a few minutes to look at it. And it illustrates perfect, very well, at least very well, um, God's kindness. And uh, if you're not familiar with the story, I'll give you the context. We're going to read it so we get a bit of understanding of the story. <clears throat> but it's 2 Samuel chapter 9. But before we read the story <clears throat> of David and Mephibosheth, it's a hard name to pronounce, but that's the name of the man. Uh, but before we read the story and go through it, I'll give you the context. <clears throat> the context is Saul is the king of Israel. We go way, way back. Saul is the first king of Israel. He has a son called Jonathan, and therefore Jonathan is next in line to be king. As he goes down, father to son, down the line. For different reasons, you could read it in 1 Samuel. The book of 1 Samuel talks a lot about it. Saul does not obey God. He disobeys, falls out of favor. God then chooses David to be king to replace Saul. Well, David and Jonathan are close friends, very, very close friends. In fact, they have a pact or covenant of friendship between the two of them. And even though David is now chosen by God to be the next king, Jonathan accepts that. He does not that let that get in the way of their friendship. Of course, his dad, Saul, King Saul, doesn't like it. He tries to kill David several times, chases David away. But David and Jonathan remain friends. A little bit later on, there's a war between Israel and the Philistines. Saul, Jonathan, and all them are killed in the war. Now, when a, there's a war and the victor 
those who win that war back then, they would go in and they would eliminate all the family members of the king. If the king was killed, they would go in and eliminate all the family members of that king. Why? Because he or those family members were next in line and were a threat to the new king. And so they'd wipe them all out. Even the children and the babies. And the nurse who was looking after Jonathan's son in the daycare, the nursery, when the war was going on, she hears that Saul was killed, Jonathan was killed, Mephibosheth is a son, and she knew that the Philistines were going to come in and they would kill Mephibosheth because he was next in line. She then runs and tries to save him. And in doing so, she trips, falls, and drops the baby. In another town, comes lame in both legs. He survives. She goes into hiding in another town. Quiet life there. Different things happen. David becomes king. He defeats the Philistines. He becomes king, settles in the, as the king of the country, and rules. And a number of years go by, and then we come to this story. So that's the context. And just a word of advice. When you read the Bible, just don't stop on one verse, okay? Read the verse in the context of which the verse is given. Read the chapter in the context of the book. Read the book in the context of the Bible because we need to look at it in its whole. So here's the story. It's up there. You can also follow in your Bible. I'll read it out. 2 Samuel chapter 9. Now King David is reigning in the country. It's peace is settled. And he asks the question, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Because remember, Jonathan and David were friends, very, very close friends. Now there's a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They summoned him to appear before David and the king said to him, are you Ziba? And he said, yes, at your service. And the king asked, is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can allow, for who, to whom I can show God's kindness? And Zubal answered the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. Well, where is he? The king asked. And Ziba answered, he is the house of Makar, son of Amiel in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Makar, son of Amiel. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he replied, at your service. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? And the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I've given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him, bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. And Ziba said to the king, your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands a servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah, and all the members of Ziba's household were servants, and he was lame. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table and he was lame in both feet.
This story illustrates four important facts or truths about God's kindness to us. The first one, number one, next slide, God takes the initiative to show us his kindness. David took the initiative to find a descendant of Jonathan. Mephibosheth didn't find David. He didn't come to him. David took the initiative. He went out of his way. He said, is there no one from the house of Saul to whom I may show kindness? He didn't have to. He wasn't required to. There's no personal gain. In fact, I'm sure David had a lot of criticism from those around him when he did that. And see, the same thing for us. It is God who took the initiative to come and find us. Emmanuel, God with us. God sent his son to us. Jesus said in Luke chapter 19, I have come to seek and save the lost. It is he who has found us. I've said this before, Christians and especially us evangelical Christians, we use a language that is very self-centered on salvation. I received eternal life. I accepted Christ as Savior. I found the Lord. I gave my life to Jesus. That's true. There's nothing wrong with those sentences because we have a responsibility to respond to God's grace. But the problem with that is the focus is on me. Where in reality, the focus should be on God. He's the one who found me. He's the one who came to me. He's the one who initiated and offered me salvation and life in Christ. It's not you who found God. It is God who sought out and found you. It's not our doing. Just like for Mephibosheth, it was not his doing. He was fine there. But David took the, initiate, the initiative to find him. Next slide, 1 John chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Second truth, second fact, one does not earn the kindness of God. You cannot earn it. See, there are other descendants of Saul, but David chose Mephibosheth. But why him? Why him? What did Mephibosheth do to merit the king's favor? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. David showed grace and kindness and favor to Mephibosheth. Why? Because of Jonathan. It was the relationship he had with Jonathan that allowed him to show grace to Mephibosheth. 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 7, what we read, he said, I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. We do not earn God's favor. We cannot do something to merit God's grace. God's grace is given to us because God wants to do that. We receive God's grace and salvation because of someone else. And who is that someone else? Because of Jesus. Because of what Jesus accomplished, his life and work on the cross allows us to receive the favor of God. Mephibosheth received the grace 
and favor from the king because of Jonathan. We can receive the favor and grace of God because of Jesus, not because of something I've done. Not based on my merit, how much I'm worth, my position in society, my heritage, a culture, whatever. It's because of Jesus. His kindness is because of Jesus. Ephesians chapter two, our next verse. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Third truth, humility is all that is required to experience the kindness of God. See, when Mephibosheth came to David, he did not claim his rights as heir to the throne. He didn't say, hey, King Saul is my grandfather. I should be here. You should be out. You have my place. In society, he could have said that. He probably wouldn't done him very well, <laughs> protesting to the king, but he had certain rights. But how did he react to King David's offer? Who am I? He compared himself to a dead dog. <laughs> Not a lot of value to a dead dog. And Mephibosheth was saying, I am humbly before you. I have no rights. You are the one who is offering grace. He humbly accepted David's offer. When someone says, I'm not worthy to accept someone's gesture of grace and compassion, that's not humility. That's not humility. Actually, it's false humility. It's basically a question of pride. Well, I'm too proud to accept your act of kindness. Somebody offers you a, a gesture of kindness, tries to do something for you. Oh, no, thank you. I don't need it. Actually, it's, think about it. It's really a question of pride. <laughs> You're too proud to accept someone's gesture of kindness. And we are to respond to the Lord's offer of kindness with an attitude of humility, recognizing our unworthiness, confessing our sinful pride and self-centeredness. Because if we don't, then that simply means we're too proud to accept God's grace. And I hope that is not your case this morning. I hope none of us here are too proud. Even though you may have known the Lord, you've worked, walked with the Lord for many years, or maybe not, doesn't matter where you are in your relationship with the Lord, in your spiritual walk, your spiritual journey, don't allow pride to get in the way of accepting God's grace. Don't allow pride to get in the way of accepting an act of kindness from someone else. <laughs> Enjoy that. Allow them to express kindness to you in a, on the human level and express kindness to them. But also, let us be humble and accept God's grace towards us. Next slide, Isaiah 57, 15. <clears throat> For this is what the high and exalted one says, he who lives forever, whose name is holy, I live in a, holy, in a high and holy place, but also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and revive the heart of the contrite. Fourth truth, the kindness of God is there for everyone, no exception. Imagine with me now, just a moment, take a, just let your imagination go a bit here. King David's table. <laughs> 
Okay? <clears throat> I don't know how the temple was built or whatever, but we don't know all the details. But here's the king. He has a dining hall, big room, table. His sons are there. Their servants are there. There's probably music. There's color. There's, it's a celebration, right? A table fit for the king. Can you imagine that? And their servants, are the food and the drink on the table are the best in the country. Why? It's the king. <laughs> you have the best. And then in walks Mephibosheth. <laughs> or I should say, in hobbles Mephibosheth. And he has two major strikes against him, two things going against him. One, he's crippled, so and both legs, so he's got crutches of some sort. Everybody else is a fine, well-kept, probably good health because of taking deep, being taken care of. And here's Mephibosheth hobbling in. The second thing against him, he's the son, grandson of the man who tried to kill David. And he comes walking into the room. Can you imagine the looks around the table? The comments? What is he doing here? Who let him in? He shouldn't be here. He's not dressed right. That's Saul's grandson? No way. All those comments. What does David do? He calls Mephibosheth by name. Mephibosheth, welcome. <laughs> come, come join us at the table. The kindness of God is there for everyone. It's not just for certain people, certain ones. See, Mephibosheth had no say in what happened to him. He was a, an infant. If you haven't noticed, her number seven grandchild is over there. <laughs> She's only six months old. Maybe Mephibosheth was that age when the nurse ran out of the room trying to save him and tripped and he was injured. Didn't have a, had no say at all in what happened to him. Secondly, he had no say at all in his heritage. He was King Saul's grandson whether he liked it or not. We don't have often a say in what happens to us. We have no say at all in our heritage and our culture, our background and who we're related to. But God's grace is there for everyone. No exception. Come, Mephibosheth. Come and join us. And so too, God extends his hand of grace, opens up his arms and says, come, come, welcome. And he calls us by name. He calls you by name. Next verse. Isaiah 43, verse 1, but now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. We can apply that truth to us individually. God calls us. He calls us by name to receive his grace just as we are. We have our imperfections, our failures, our sin, our hurts, our scars, our baggage, 
And we cannot change what has happened to us. We cannot change our past. Yet God, our Heavenly Father, our loving Heavenly Father, invites us to come, to come and be healed, to come and be forgiven, to come and be accepted just as we are. That is the kindness of God. <clears throat> Next slide. <coughs> There's the four truths. God takes the initiative. One does not earn kindness of God. Humility is required. And the kindness of God is there for everyone. Have you accepted, next slide, have you accepted God's offer of grace through Jesus Christ? I trust you have. I trust you know what that means to have said yes to God's offer of kindness, of grace, of salvation, and life through Jesus. And you've responded with humility to his offer in granting you forgiveness you responded in humility, accepting who you are and saying yes to Christ. If not, and you want to know more, come see me after. Glad to talk to you more about what it means to put your trust and faith in Jesus Christ. Next question. And this question here, take a few minutes to really look at this one. Because, yeah, we started a new year. But not just because we're starting a new year. This should be every day of the year. But is there someone to whom you can show the kindness of God? Someone in your life. Someone in your sphere. At school. At work. A family member. Maybe someone here at church. That you not only can, but you should show kindness to. Now, you see, some acts of kindness are very simple. You come up to the store and somebody's trying to get in. That's an act of kindness. Trying to kind of come out and you're coming in and they have their arms full. You open the door. They let them out. That's an act of kindness, right? It's a kind gesture. Very simple. Doesn't cost you anything. Didn't slow you down. Uh, the person says, thank you. You say, you're welcome. And you go and you continue your life. But it's very important for that person. <laughs> they appreciated it. But it didn't cost you a lot. It's very simple. Other acts of kindness are a lot more challenging. David with Mephibosheth. That cost him. Not in money, but probably in reputation. <laughs> there was an effort to find who it was, the criticisms he had. It was not easy for David to invite Mephibosheth because he wasn't sure how Mephibosheth was going to respond. See, we have the end of the story. We read the whole story and we see how, how he answered. When David said, come, he didn't know how Mephibosheth was going to respond. But David did it anyways. Is there someone in your family? At work, school, wherever? That you need to show kindness to. And maybe it's not that easy. Don't let that dissuade you or discourage you from showing kindness. Make that effort. Take the initiative. Because as followers of Christ, we are expected to show kindness and grace to those around us because we have personally experienced the kindness of God. See, every human being, whether they believe in God or not, can, sh can be kind, <laughs> 
But Christians, followers of Christ, should be those who are more kind. Why? Because we experience the kindness and grace and goodness of God in our lives. So we should be the upfront <laughs> in examples of kindness. Ephesians chapter 4. There's quotes I gave you from the website. Well, here's two Bible quotes. Quotes from the Bible. Be kind. There you got it. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. The next one, Colossians chapter 3. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. The idea of clothes, you put on clothes, it's what you wear. It defines who you are. It's something you wear all day long. This should not just be a one-time event. Kindness and compassion and gentleness should be part of our DNA, part of who we are, identify us. So back to the original question I asked you, are you a kind person? And do people see you as a kind person? I hope the answer is yes, because we should be clothed with kindness and being kind, compassionate because of Christ, just not our own efforts, but because of Christ in us, showing kindness to others should be who we are as followers of Christ. <clears throat> God has been kind to you. Has he been good to you? Faithful, patient, forgiving? Then be kind to others, good to others, faithful, patient, and forgiving as well. And so in the days and weeks ahead of us, let us be, pre be prepared to show kindness. Not just because it's a good thing to do, which it is, but because we've received God's kindness to show to others. Let's take the initiative. Let's do all you can. Let's do all that we can. Taking the first step. Seeking out. Inviting. And may kindness, God's kindness, the kindness of God, be a natural expression of who you are, where you are, with whoever you are. <laughs> and they may see the kindness of God, not just kindness of another human being, which is fair, which is good, but they may see the kindness of God in your life and through your life in theirs. Let's just take a few moments uh, for personal reflection. We have the Lord's Supper, communion, table, uh, we're going to pass immediately at that. But just before we do that, let's take a few moments of personal prayer, reflection on these words from the scripture. And I will close in prayer and then we'll assemble around the table, the communion table at that time.